Imagine you were a medical doctor or in the medical profession and your place of work absolutely insisted that you get an absolutely untested vaccine, which can cause who knows what kind of damage when the great likelihood is that you could fight off this virus by yourself. Well, we're going to be speaking with someone today who's faced that situation, who's in it, and in fact, has agreed to come on not so much for himself, but for others who are in that same situation, whom he's seeking to help by revealing what's actually going on. You're going to want to stay tuned. Dr. Salvatore Argiro, welcome to the program. Thank you, John Henry. It's nice to be here. So let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, Dr. Argiro, uh, thank you for your courage. Uh, thank you for what you're doing. Tell us, if you would, uh, what happened and uh, why you're coming to us now. About a week ago, I received a memo from... Uh, Ascension Health. So I, I provide services to a local hospital uh, that is run by Ascension Healthcare. And Ascension Healthcare is what for those of us who don't know yet? So it's the um, conglomerate of uh, Catholic-run hospitals uh, that has sort of uh, taken over management of of many uh, Catholic hospitals across the country uh, locally. You know, we had a local uh, Catholic hospital um, started by nuns um, and uh, Ascension, and I'm not, I don't know the history in detail, but uh, I know Ascension took over management um, and uh, the nuns were recalled. So I provide services uh, for uh, Our Lady of Lords Hospital. Um, it's a wonderful Catholic hospital, great people. Uh, I provide psychiatric services, largely consulting services. <clears throat> Since the pandemic, I've worked entirely remotely. We received a memo from the uh, CEO of Ascension uh, notifying us that the uh, COVID-19 vaccination would be mandated uh, for all employees, all contractors, um, all um, staff, whether you work remotely or are directly facing patients. Let me just stop you right there. So this is mandated vaccines by a Catholic institution, but mandated also for remote workers, remote meaning you're counseling patients like we are right now over video. Correct. Okay. All right. Continue from there. Took me quite a bit of discernment, but several months ago, I you know was struggling with the decision: should I, you know, accept a vaccine um, or not for myself? What would I recommend to patients if they asked me? And I, you know, I, I I felt moved very strongly that I couldn't accept one of these vaccines, and I believed I would always have, you know, it, it would be an optional choice, um, and now. This uh, policy has come down, and we have uh, until sometime in November um, to get vaccinated or lose our employment. I should say that they there is a, a process for requesting an exemption, 
Um, I don't know the details because they're not opening that process until uh, the 16th of this month. They're going to look at religious and and, uh, medical exemptions. But I, I can't believe that as an American, I'm in the position of relying on the good graces of some overviewing body to determine whether I have to uh, violate my conscience, my religious conscience or not. It is unbelievable from so many perspectives, but just from uh, the religious perspective, I mean, this is a so-called Catholic institution insisting on the vaccines. And we've already seen Notre Dame University also do the same thing, insist on the vaccines and then tell Catholics, oh, by the way, a religious exemption for Catholics is not going to work. Maybe for others it would um, because the Pope has taken it and uh, the bishops have promoted it. Um, there's, there's a whole thing we could say about that. But just to focus on that, the documents that they themselves are using, uh, the, the Catholic bishops, that is, and the Pope, to sort of say that this is uh, mandatory, has in itself uh, room for the objection that you can say you won't take this because they are abortion-tainted uh, treatments. I don't even call them vaccines because, anyway, that's another story as well. But it's just unreal that they're going there from this Catholic institution. But so if they're mandating this across the board, what about pregnant women? What about nurses, physicians, or whatever who are pregnant? Are they going to say they have to have it as well? I have colleagues that I work with, one of whom is pregnant, who had COVID, uh, the infection, before becoming pregnant, so almost certainly has you know robust immunity. If the mandate is um, very black and white, we'll have to get vaccinated. Now, you know, I the belief is, as we talk amongst ourselves, that you know I, they will probably exempt somebody who's pregnant. But but again, we don't know, and you're depending on the good graces of of some group of people for your livelihood. You know. Um, I've been blessed as a physician. Um, I have a lot of opportunities. I don't rely solely on Ascension for my income. I can pivot to other sources, but many of the people I work with are not in that position. And um, it's it's just a very difficult spot to be in. As a physician yourself, I'm sure you've seen the VAERS database, which is sort of a government database of adverse effects from all vaccines. And the VAERS database has gone crazy over the COVID shots um, with now, I believe there's over 11,000 deaths associated uh, with these and hundreds of thousands of adverse effects. So there's real concern. We've seen actually only thanks to Senator Johnson, uh, some of the victims of this COVID shot uh, and various ones, Uh, but those, as, as Dr. Uh, Peter McCullough has said so often, they need to be doing this every week. The American people are undergoing this mass experiment with these vaccines or with these COVID shots that aren't really tested. Uh, this is real. The, the big test is on right now. And yet we're not getting these reports. Uh, Senator Johnson did the one where it was showing the, the victims of this. And they were in tears explaining, mothers in tears, explaining how her daughter is now in a wheelchair and everything like this. So... There's real risks to this, and the people should be given the choice, and yet they're not. Um, What would be your message to the other medical staff who are facing the same kind of dilemma? Uh, Your stand is very courageous. 
this is very difficult for people in the medical profession. My, my daughter's in, in the medical profession. Um, many students in medicine um, are, are facing this same dilemma at their universities. Uh, what's your message to them uh, and then to those who are overseeing uh, these programs? There's actually, now that I think of it, two real ethical dilemmas as a physician. I was trained and I believe it's still, it's still our duty to do what's in the best interest of our patient. We are supposed to advise the person in front of us who is our patient what is best for them. And, you know, we're, we're supposed to weigh the risks and benefits of that recommendation. It seems pretty clear that there are different risk groups. Somebody who is much older, has multiple medical comorbidities, is at a higher risk for succumbing to the virus. You know, it's an experimental vaccine. There are certainly going to be risks to this uh, treatment. We can't, we should be having these conversations and putting what's the interest of our patients ahead of the public interest. And that's not to discount the public interest, but that's not our duty. That's, you know, what's best for the population is somebody else's role. But I should not be looking at the, uh, a, a 20-year-old who's almost certainly at no mortal risk from the virus and recommending that they take a vaccine, even if it's a low risk, um, it's an unknown risk by its very nature. And, and re- that to me is an ethical problem I would ask my, my colleagues to consider. We're not in the business of public health when we're with our patients. We are, I believe, our duty is to do what's best for them individually. What I would say to, what I would like to say to leaders, I would just like to share, you know, my response to the the more more moral dilemma as as a Christian. I'm an Orthodox Christian, by the way. I was raised Catholic, but I came to a point where I thought, well, children have died to in the production of these these vaccines, and I. I thought, you know, at the very least, shouldn't we, you know, wouldn't we want to um, give them some recognition, you know, like if they're going to lead to the, to millions of lives being saved, you know, and the most uh, dramatic example, we can't, we don't even know their names. We can't say thank you. (laughs) We can't ask their permission. You know, um, how can I use, use their life uh, to, to promote my own or anybody else's. Um, and that really, to me, was the moment I said, you know, this isn't right. Like, th- we just, we can't know and we can't thank them. And um, so w- we shouldn't be doing this and we have to stop. These cell lines um, need to be put to rest. That's how I would put it. And alternative means as Catholics, as Christians, um, we really need to be advocating. And this is an opportunity to advocate that this, that these cell lines be put to rest, and that we look at other avenues for, for using, uh, for creating treat, medical treatments of all kinds. Um, so, you know, I thought, you know, I, I recognize, I, I remember when, uh, you know, pictures of the Pope getting vaccinated and um, statements. Uh, I don't know if that it was acceptable. And he's not, and and by the way, the Catholic church isn't the only uh, Christian body to kind of be behind this uh, support. Um, But there's also been many, many uh, Christian groups that have recognized that this is immoral 
you know, I try to tell people if, you know, if some, God forbid, you know, some, some cell lines from the Holocaust had been kept, like, I think we would all not be, um, it would be clear we wouldn't, we wouldn't accept use of them in medical development. So to me, clearly is, is, you know, the result of we're, we're using murder um, to develop medical treatments. And it's just such a perversion of the medical process. So that's my message. I, you know, I, I, um, it really was a struggle because I know that, that there are lives at risk, you know, and who, you know, I, there's a huge burden in that direction too. Were this treatment to work uh, uh, very well and, and be the only solution, that would be one thing. Uh, even still, there would be a problem. Uh, but with the uh, early treatments that so many doctors have shown uh, have such a great effect with natural immunity and so on being robust, these are very strange questions. But that basic thing about uh, the abortion-tainted nature of the vaccines, all of them for uh, the COVID, is very, very concerning. When I was speaking with Bishop Athanasius Schneider, who was um, really one of the first bishops to speak out on this whole thing, he told me very interestingly that when he prayed about this, he prayed very much for also with the intercession of the child whom was the aborted baby who uh, whose cells were used for HEK-293, which is the cell line used by all of the vaccines uh, currently in use. And um, that child, he said, is known by God. Uh, and it's an unreal thing to think that child was murdered. It was an abortion. It was an abortion after three months gestation. Uh, it was an abortion of a healthy child. Um, and remember, they moved the, removed the kidney uh, of, of the child. It's absolutely horrific. Actually getting that into our heads that that's what we're dealing with is uh, is really key and and something very important for people to understand there's no light oh well it was just used uh for testing and so on it was used in development it was used in testing uh, one of the vaccines has if you will dna fragments of the child in the vaccine i know that's not the you know pfizer moderna ones the popular ones i guess right now but nonetheless so serious an issue and so not even to allow for people to choose to take it but to mandate it absolutely unconscionable. Dr. Jirogan, I want to thank you for doing what you're doing, for speaking out uh, in defense, both of your colleagues and for the good of medicine, for the good of the whole profession of, uh, of medicine. Uh, may God bless you. Thank you. You too, John Henry. And I have to say your service has been invaluable, especially as you know the, the censorship walls have closed in. Um, LifeSite has been a blessing and uh, an oasis. Uh, on the internet to get inf information and to stay in contact. Um, it really is God's work. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. And God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, this is John Henry Weston, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News. I'm coming to you today because we want to be sure that we are communicating clearly with you, our loyal followers. Things are really heating up, as I'm sure you can see. Christians, conservative truth-tellers are being targeted, are being banned from social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at an alarmingly fast rate. They are attempting to suppress any narrative that does not fit that of the mainstream media. We knew this day would come. 
We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to lifesitenews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe, and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too, as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parler, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.